The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. And he said, There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, Render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling, but eventually he thought, While it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, Pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. You know, it's remarkable in one way that God has given us a share in his causality. That we have something to say about our lives and those of others. We somehow participate in his creation. Prayer does that. Prayer means we have a role to play in what God is causing. We speak. We have something we want, something that needs to be done, something we need to possess. So we speak to God. And that somehow becomes part of God's causality. Remember, in the old days, it's still true, there are four kinds of prayer. And they were remembered by an acronym, ACTS, we used to be told. Adoration or worship, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration is the first. The first thing we have to do is acknowledge God as God. Contrition, to acknowledge our sinfulness. Thanksgiving, obvious. And supplication, to express my will. You remember David 
When he loved Bathsheba in the wrong way, she was with child. David tries to blame paternity on her husband, but it becomes impossible, so he has him murdered. And the prophet Nathan goes to David and says, confronts him with what he's done. David didn't even realize he had done anything wrong, imagine. David says, I have sinned. And Nathan says, God, for his part, has forgiven your sin, but the child will die. So David puts on sackcloth and lies on the ground in ashes and begs God for the child's life and will not eat. And the child dies. And the servants are afraid to tell him. And David sees them talking and says, is the child dead? And they say, yes, he is dead. And David gets up, washes, dresses, anoints himself with oil, and sits down to eat. And the servants can't figure out why. He said, well, when the child was alive, I prayed, perhaps God will spare his life. But now he is dead. He will not come to me, but I will go to him. And then David worshipped the Lord. There's the difference. Supplication is the expression of my will. Worship is the acceptance of God's. But notice that even the first part of the Mass. The Mass begins in just those four ways. Adoration, um, as we prepare the opening hymn. Contrition, as we acknowledge our sins. Thanksgiving, which is the glory, except in Advent and Lent. And then the opening prayer, supplication. And the liturgy is the greatest prayer that we have. There is no greater prayer than the Mass, since it's the prayer of Jesus Christ. He comes down in his sacrifice and becomes present in his resurrection and then draws us into himself, the greatest of all prayers. And then we have to deal with that privately. What about our prayer life? You know, I keep mentioning the me generation which started in the 60s and only got worse and continues to get worse. It's very difficult for the me generation to pray because it's all about me. Everything's about me. What I want, what I need, what really makes me feel good. Uh, and what, if I get something out of it, fine. If I don't, well, then I don't want anything to do with it. It's difficult to pray when we're like that. Because prayer means dependence on the will of another, on the will. But we must come into our own prayer life. And we have to begin to learn what that means. You know, I always ask people that question first. If they ask me what they should do about their spiritual life, I always say, how's your prayer life? That's how it begins. And that determines everything else. Now, there are different ways to pray. I mean, the Mass is a public prayer. We speak. There are symbols. It's visible. We do everything we can to draw our attention to what is happening that we can't see. But in our private prayer life, it must be a life that involves silence or we will never get to know God. We cannot get to know God if there is always noise. There's always something going on. Now, sometimes we pray in our own words. Sometimes we use prayer books, because people have, over the years, developed prayers that say things better than we can, and often in a beautiful way. We ought to all have one that helps us to pray. But in the end, we will never know God except in silence. What do the scriptures say? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
So you must spend time then in that silence, which is so difficult. I've said this many times. So difficult in our world to do that. Our world will bombard us. I've mentioned once before, and I'll say it again. Remember that statement in C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tape Letters. There are two things you will never find in hell: music and, no- and silence. That's, they don't. There's only noise. Much of our world is like that. We live in a very noisy world. But silence is where we learn to know God when he comes to us and speaks. Some of the saints have had problems with that. St. Augustine did. St. Augustine didn't want to listen to the voice of God. He wanted to listen to himself. And then he had to learn through silence to know God. I mentioned that prayer of his once before. It's beautiful. Notice how it began. He said, For behold, you were within me, and I outside. In other words, God was there, but he wasn't listening to God. And I sought you outside, and in my ugliness fell upon the beautiful things that you had made. You were with me, and I was not with you. I was kept from you by those things. Yet, had they not been in you, they would not have been at all. The beautiful things he was running after instead of God were supposed to speak to him about God, but he wasn't listening. He wasn't sitting in silence and reflecting upon God. You remember uh, in The Hound of Heaven, too, Francis Thompson was running after everything he could to find fulfillment, and he couldn't find it anywhere. He threw himself into nature. Nature was going to be what fulfilled him. And all of a sudden he realizes, he says, For ah, we know not how each other speaks, these things and I. In sound, I speak. Their sound is but their stir. They speak by silences. Nature does that. Nature speaks to us in silence of God, but in silence. You know, it's one thing to look at a tree or a rose or a mountain. It's another thing to look at a tree or a rose or a mountain in the presence of God. All of a sudden, everything becomes different. It's not just the beauty of nature. It's the infinite beauty of God speaking through it in silence. Now, I still think, of course, the best place to be in silence with God is here in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But we can do it anywhere. To let God speak to us, as St. Augustine finally did. That's when real prayer becomes, comes into our lives. That's when we become different people. I think many people are afraid of that, afraid of silence, afraid of God. They're afraid to let God speak. I mentioned once before that back in the 60s and 70s, transcendental meditation, the people would sit there and try to empty themselves of everything. The problem with that is anything can get in when you do that. When we sit in silence before God, it's only God who can get in. That's real silence. I've known people who are afraid of it. I remember once being in a building out in the country it was perfectly silent and there were two other people with me both of whom were psychologists and they walked in and said this is a really strange silence yes it is Um, there's nothing else going on there's no sound anywhere except the presence of God and that can be rather strange but that's what we are called to do what did St. Augustine say at the end of his prayer When he finally listened to God, finally, he said, 
You called and cried to me and broke through my deafness. You sent forth your light and did shine upon me and chased away my blindness. You breathed fragrance upon me, and I drew in my breath and do now pant for you. He was a changed man because of silence in the presence of God. And he finishes by saying, you touched me and I have burned for your peace. And that's what prayer and silence bring us. Nothing else will. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will be truly people of prayer, people opened to the coming of God. We pray especially for the Church suffering, for the freedom of the Church in our own country. We pray to the Lord. For our nation, for all nations of the world, that they may come to know God. They may be people open to prayer. For our nation, for all those running for public office, for conversion and for peace, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, for those who are hospitalized or in nursing homes, that they may know that in their suffering they are in prayer united to the suffering Lord for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost their faith and cease to pray, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For a greater respect for human life, and in this month especially for life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, and especially to contemplative life. For a greater reverence for the prophetic nature of marriage in the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that they will be first of all people of prayer, that they will be courageous witnesses to what they have received in prayer, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed For all those who have suffered because of the hurricane, those who have lost homes and goods, and for all those who have died, we pray to the Lord. Lord for all of us here, that we will be truly people of prayer. Our prayer life will draw us ever more perfectly into the mystery of God. And that we will listen to him. We pray to the Lord. Lord we now join our prayers to those of the Mother of Mercy as we sing.